It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Fort Tenopoly Cultural Podcast. A podcast devoted to Tenopoly, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. I hope everyone is doing well and thank you, as always, for downloading this episode. We're only one week away from the return of Cultural, so I'm sure you're excited about it, and so am I. On today's episode, we'll cover the latest news around Serie A. There's not much to report around Europe, but we do have a few updates there. Then we'll close part one with a summary of Cristiano Giuntoli's recent interview with Sky Sport Italia. Then in part two, we'll do part three of our transfer rumor series, where I'll provide an update on the latest transfer rumors around Napoli. And today we'll cover the defense. And in part three, we'll do our final classic Napoli match, which is Napoli's final match in the group stage of the 2011-2012 Champions League. Starting with the news, on Friday the 20 Serie A clubs met to talk about backup plans if the Serie A championship cannot be completed. With respect to a playoff and a playout, the clubs are only in favor of that approach if Serie A does not resume as it's planned to on June 20th. However, if it does restart and then has to be stopped again because of a second wave, The clubs are not in favor of using a playoff. They would instead prefer to use a formula such as average points per game, possibly weighted for home and away matches. The clubs agreed that a title would only be awarded if the rest of the clubs are mathematically eliminated from contention. Likewise, clubs would only be relegated if they're mathematically eliminated from surviving. So these proposals will be taken to the FIGC on Monday for approval, And you can expect some disagreement, particularly on the point about relegations. By the time you hear this, we'll probably know how this meeting went. But I can tell you right now, I'm recording on Sunday evening, that Gravina will not accept having no relegations, because that means no Serie B teams will be promoted. And even Genoa's president, Enrico Preziosi, 
told Rai that he does not expect this proposal on relegations to be taken into consideration. In other news, FIGC is already having discussions with the government about potentially bringing spectators back, but obviously at a reduced capacity. We've talked about how some of the other smaller European leagues have been playing in front of fans, filling about 20% of the seats. In fact, the Hungarian Cup was played on Wednesday in front of 10,000 spectators. Mind you, Hungary's had only 4,000 positive cases and 540 deaths, which is nowhere near the numbers in Italy. Moving on to Europe, the English Premier League will recommence on June 17th with the four clubs that have a game in hand. So those matches are Aston Villa versus Sheffield United and Manchester City versus Arsenal. The EPL has also released its schedule for the first three post-COVID match days, which are match days 30, 31, and 32. They'll take place between June 19th and July 2nd, with only one day in between where there are no games. We've also learned that the EPL will not stop if a player or staff member tests positive, nor will a team quarantine be required. The league will only stop if the government imposes a stoppage. In France, UEFA has confirmed that they have no issues if Ligue 1 decide to return to play, even if they use a playoff, as long as the league is completed by August 2nd. And speaking of UEFA, German paper Bild is reporting that UEFA has decided to play the final three rounds of the Champions League, so that's a quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals in Lisbon, Portugal. The original reports were that these matches would be played in Istanbul, but apparently there's a disagreement about playing the matches behind closed doors. Moving on to Napoli news, the Azzurri sporting director Cristiano Giuntoli spoke to Sky Sport Italia, where he addressed a number of the players on the squad. He confirmed that Napoli will announce the renewal of Merton's contract soon, and that there was some fear that he would leave. I have a feeling that after Merton's retires, we're going to find out how close he really was to a move to Inter. He also said the club is close to renewing Zielinski and that they are waiting for Callejon to make a decision. Callejon's agent, Manuel Garcia Quillon, spoke to Transfer 20, who he told that they've spoken to other clubs, but there is nothing concrete on Callejon's future. On Arkadush Milik, Juntoli said that the goal is still to renew him and that he feels positively about the situation. That said, if Milik does not want to stay, then he will be put on the market. On Friday, Milik posted a picture on Instagram with himself and Dries Mertens, and it had a caption that read, Friends will always be friends, which has led many to assume that this was a farewell message. And that would be consistent with a report from Correa de los Sport indicating that Milik has rejected De Laurentiis' latest offer. That means that Napoli would need to bring in another striker, and when asked about Azmoun, Osimen, Everton, and Luka Jovic, Juntili confirmed that they are all players that the club likes. The bigger priority at the moment, however, is Jeremy Boga. When asked about whether Napoli have made an offer, Juntili apparently smiled in assent. On Insigne and Fabian, Juntili said they are both playing well under Gattuso and with his 4-3-3 system. Both have time left on their contracts. Insigne's desires to remain with the club, and the club will speak to Fabian about a renewal in a year's time. Finally, Juntoli spoke about Kaladu Koulibaly, and that he feels that even during coronavirus, top players' values will not go down. 
The more I read about Koulibaly, the more I feel like he's going to stay for another year. Juntoli did say that we might see more creative situations to help manage a financial burden, such as loans with obligations to buy. So that'll do for part one. In part two, we'll cover the latest transfer rumors on the back line. Okay, so in the last two episodes, we covered the attacking players that have been linked to Napoli. Today, we'll cover the potential defensive signings, and there are a lot of them. A number of center backs are linked to Napoli as potential replacements for Kaladu Koulibaly, and there are also a few full backs linked to the club as replacements for Fauzi Goulam. So let's start with the center backs. According to Corriere dello Sport, Lille's Gabriel Magalhaes is at the top of Napoli's list of replacements for Koulibaly. Multiple sources are reporting that Lille are looking for 30 to 35 million euros for the 22-year-old Brazilian, and multiple clubs are interested, particularly in England. Though Chelsea, Leicester City, and Liverpool have all expressed interest, the biggest competition appears to be from Arsenal and Everton. Real Madrid and PSG are interested as well. The D Sport reported about two weeks ago that Napoli had emerged as the outright favorites to sign Magalhaes. Next on Napoli's list is Fiorentina's German Pazzella. According to Gazzetta dello Sport, Fiorentina is looking for 20 million euros, and there have also been reports that Fiorentina have told Valencia that this is the minimum price. Napoli have also been interested in Petzela's defensive partner Nikola Milenkovic. The Serbian, however, seems content for now at Fiorentina. He said, The rumors about Milan and Napoli obviously make me happy, but I'm a Fiorentina player and I focus on my work to help the club improve. I hope we return to play soon. There is still time to settle my future. And according to Mondo Napoli, Fiorentina president Rocco Comiso is prepared to sell both for a combined 50 million euros. I'm not sure I buy into that report. Why would each player cost 20 million euros on their own, but together they cost 50 million? In any event, Napoli don't need two center backs. One is sufficient. Back to Corriere dello Sport, they had Jan Vertonghen as the third most likely to join Napoli. Vertonghen's contract with Tottenham is about to expire, but Corriere is also reporting that he's not appealing because of his age. And Rai Sports reported about a month ago that Vertonghen will not be the heir to Koulibaly. They go on to point out that Juntli has assessed Vertonghen several times over the past two seasons, 
but the price tag has stalled all negotiations. Another player whose contract expires at the end of the season is Nice's Malang Sar. In mid-May, Tuto Mercato reported that the 21-year-old switched agents to Federico Pastorello, who works for P&P Sports Management. That agency represents a number of Serie A players, including Romelu Lukaku, Alex Meret, Francesco Acerbi, and many others. So that's led some, like Tuto Mercato, to speculate that he might make a move to Italy, and aside from Napoli, Lazio, Atalanta, and Inter are all interested. Bruno Satin, who's a player agent and intermediary between France and Italy, spoke to Radio Marte about a week and a half ago. When he was asked about Sar replacing Koulibaly, he said he would look at other profiles. He went on to speak rather critically of the defender. Satin said that being left-footed, many clubs were after him a few years ago, but since then he has not improved and he has been a disappointment. He's not a fullback. He can't play on the wing. And as a center back, trust me when I tell you that he does not have the qualities Napoli look for. So we'll see if Napoli continue to court him. Very quickly, a few other center backs that have been linked to Napoli are Genoa's Adama Sumaoro and Brescia's Andrea Cistana. Genoa have decided to activate their 10 million euro option to buy Sumaoro at the end of the season with the intent of flipping him for a quick profit and Napoli are one of the potential options. Regarding Cistana, in early May he was asked about a possible move to Napoli and his response was, One of my best friends is Napolitan from Scampia. I could visit him more often. Which was a nice quote, but doesn't really tell us much. Finally, throughout April and May, there were many reports linking Napoli to Freiburg's Robin Koch. The 23-year-old German international has a year left on his contract. According to Gazzetta, he's expected to cost 15 million euros, and a number of clubs are interested, including Benfica and Leipzig. And speaking of Leipzig, a week ago, Gazzetta reported that Ralf Ragnick could attempt to bring Koch to Milan if he does go there. Before I move on to fullbacks, I'll quickly rifle through some of the centerbacks that now appear to be out of the picture. According to Tuto Sport, Daniele Rugani and Christian Romero were both among players Juventus were willing to swap for Arkadush Milik. At least for the time being, De Laurentiis is looking for cash only. Tuto Sports also reported that Juntoli wants an international defender, which makes no sense to me, given our discussion on Sardar Azmoun and Everton Suarez in the last two episodes, and Napoli's lack of non-European Union spots available, so that makes me think that neither Rugani or Romero will be joining the club. In January, Napoli were linked to Hellas Verona defender Marash Kumbula, after they had already signed his defensive partner Amir Rahmani. But in late April and early May, respectively, Gianluca Di Marzio and Fabrizio Romano reported that Kumbula declined the move to Napoli, and he now seems to be destined for Inter. Corriere dello Sport reported in early May that Juntoli continues to follow Barcelona defender Jean-Claire Todibo, who he tried to sign two years ago, but that lead appears to have gone silent. Likewise, Corriere reported in early April that Napoli were interested in Sevilla centre-back Diego Carlos, but we haven't heard much on that front either, which could be related to the Brazilian 75 million euro release clause. So that's the centre-back position. The club has also been linked to a few full-backs to replace Fauzi Golam. Don't worry, there aren't as many options at full-back as there are at centre-back, so I'll provide a quick update on three of them. Let's start with Olympiacos defender Costas Tsimikas. 
Napoli were negotiating with Olympiacos in January, but then decided to postpone discussions until the summer. His compatriot, Kostas Manolas, has given his seal of approval to sign Simikas. However, it appears this deal is not going to happen. According to Nicolo Skira, Simikas is getting closer to joining Nice. The French club have offered Olympiacos 8 million euros, plus 2 million euros in bonuses, and they're offering the left back a four-year contract. Another option is Atlético Madrid right-back Santiago Arias. According to Spanish paper Mundo Deportivo, the Colombian has only managed 11 competitive appearances this season. Roma have been long-linked with Arias, and Inter are interested as well. And finally, a player that now appears to be off the table is Legia Warsaw's Mikhail Karbaunik. According to the Gazeta, Warsaw wanted around 5 million euros for the defender, but he now appears to be unavailable after signing an extension with Warsaw that will keep him at the club until 2024. So that's the latest potential signings on the back line. We'll round off this series on the next episode when we cover the midfield. That'll do for part two. In part three, we'll review another classic Napoli match. Before I get into this week's classic match, I do want to point out that this will be our final classic match review, at least for the time being, which is a little bit bittersweet for me. I've really enjoyed taking a trip down memory lane, and I hope you have too. We've reviewed matches during both seasons Napoli won the Scudetto. We've also reviewed Napoli's UEFA Cup win, the two most recent Coppa Italia wins, Iguain's record-breaking season, and Napoli's return to Serie A. The reason this is the last classic Napoli match is because starting next week we'll have actual matches from this season to preview and review, so that's going to be a lot of fun. So our final classic match review is from the 2011-2012 season. It's Napoli's final match in the group stage of the Champions League against Villarreal, and this match was played at the Madrigal in Spain. This was Napoli's first Champions League since the European Cup was renamed the Champions League in 1992. Napoli was in Group A with Bayern Munich, Manchester City, and Villarreal, which you could argue was the group of death that year. Bayern would eventually finish runners-up in the tournament. City was in their fourth season after being purchased by Sheikh Mansour and the City Football Group. Napoli were wearing their beautiful third kit, which was a charcoal gray top to bottom. The shirt had long sleeves with a blue collar, blue accents on the ends of the sleeves and on the sides, and the numbers were in gold. I probably didn't appreciate how nice this kit was at the time, but living through some of these awful third kits nowadays, I definitely have a greater appreciation for this one. Heading into this match, Bayern had already won the group. Napoli had 8 points, Manchester City had 7 points, and Villarreal had failed to collect a single point, so they were already eliminated. So one of Napoli and Manchester City were going to advance, and both of their opponents really had nothing to play for. Juan Carlo Garrido lined up his Villarreal squad in a 4-4-2 formation with Diego Lopez in goal. 
At the back were Angel Lopez, Christian Zapata, Mateo Musacchio, and Juan Oriol. In the midfield were Jonathan de Guzman, who would actually join Napoli a few years later, Marco Senna, Bruno Soriano, and Hernan Perez. And up top were Neil Mar and Marco Rubin. Giuseppe Rossi was in his final season with Villarreal, but he ruptured his ACL in October that year, which caused him to miss the rest of the season, and the following year he moved to Fiorentina. Walter Mazzari used his preferred 3-4-2-1 formation with Morgan de Sanctis in goal. The back three were Salvatore Aronica, Paolo Cannavaro, and Hugo Campagnaro. In the midfield were Camilo Zuniga, Walter Gargano, Gohan Inler, and Christian Maggio. And the front three were Ezekiel Lavezzi, Marek Hamsik, and Edison Cavani in the striker role. Di diritto entrare nell'elite del calcio europeo. Il match è cominciato, il Napoli è in tenuta grigia. Napoli got its first scoring opportunity in the fifth minute. They won a free kick in Villarreal's half after a reckless tackle by De Guzman on Inler. Inler and Lavezzi lined up in front of the ball, but neither of them played the cross. Instead, Lavezzi made a run toward the wing. At the same time, Maggio, who was on the right wing, made a run into the box and pulled the defender with him. And that gave Lavezzi the time and space he needed to play an in-swinging cross into the box with his left foot to find Zuniga's late run. But Zuniga's volley was right at Villarreal keeper Diego Lopez, who stopped it easily. Before the broadcast got an opportunity to show the replay of this chance, Villarreal got their first chance of the match. Hernan Perez made a long run down the right wing, starting from his own half, before playing a square ball infield to Marco Rubin. Rubin did well to turn before firing a low shot from outside the box. The Sanctus did remarkably well to get a fingertip on the ball to push it out for a corner. Villarreal thought they opened the scoring in the 32nd minute when De Guzman picked out Rubin's run behind Cambañaro. Rubin beat De Sanctus with a shot to the far post, but that goal was called back due to offside. In the 40th minute, Hamsik nearly put Napoli ahead with a long-distance effort with his left foot, but it was always bending wide of the goal, and that was the final chance for either club in the first half. Palla in fallo laterale, ma dà un'occhiata al suo cronometro, l'arbitro Moen, e manda le squadre al riposo, 0 a 0. Villarreal got the first chance of the second half, only a minute in, with a powerful left-footed shot from Perez, but the Sanctus was up to the task. Manchester City 2, Bayern Monaco 0. That was Walter Mazzari getting ejected from the match after coming out of the technical area to collect the ball that had gone out of play. And then for some reason, he felt the need to shove Neil Mar, whose momentum caused them to collide with Mazzari. Meanwhile, the commentators announced that Manchester City had just doubled its lead over Bayern Munich, so Napoli were in pretty bad shape at this point. They needed to win, and their coach had just been ejected. But Mazzari had trained his team well, and he continued to coach from afar. Around the 64th minute, the camera cut to Mazzari's technical director, Enzo Concina, who appeared to be taking instructions from Mazzari on the sidelines via cell phone. Concina, by the way, was born in Italy but moved to Mississauga, Canada, 
when he was four, and he finished his playing career with the Montreal Impact in 1994, where he won a championship in the American Professional Soccer League. Anyway, the strategy seemed to work. Napoli began to turn up the pressure and took the lead in the 65th minute. Maggio. Amsic. Si è proposto Hiller. L'ha visto Amsic. Hiller. Baltiro Hiller. Ed è gol. Al Madrigal. Il Napoli in vantaggio al ventesimo del secondo tempo. La staffilata. Che vale questo sogno ora più vicino. Ventesimo minuto. The build-up to this goal started with a free kick won by Lavezzi just inside Villarreal's half. Napoli worked the ball around eventually to Hamsik on the right wing. Hamsik made an excellent pass to pick out Inler's run into space in the middle of the pitch, and this was a classic Inler finish. It wasn't a cannon like we've seen from him in the past, but the shot had plenty of power and there was nothing Diego Lopez could do but watch as the shot that was about shoulder height from outside of the box dip into the back of the goal. Napoli continued to create chances, and not long after Lopez made an excellent save on a Levetsi volley, Napoli doubled their lead. So this goal came in the 76th minute off of a corner kick. Lavezzi's corner was poorly taken. It was too low and way too close to the goal. But somehow the ball got through to Hamsik. Hamsik was left unmarked and it appeared he should have been picked up by Gonzalo Rodriguez who subbed into the match for Christian Zapata just before this corner was taken. Hamsik did do well to control it and keep his composure before tapping in from only a few feet away from the goal. Villarreal nearly pulled one back in the third minute of added time. Bruno Perez made a strong run down the right wing, outmuscling three Napoli players before cutting the ball back to the top of the box. Gonzalo made good contact, but the Sanctus made an excellent reflex save to keep the ball out. Though things got a little heated near the end of the match, it would finish Napoli 2, Villarreal 0. A few final thoughts on the match. First of all, I forgot how dramatic and animated Walter Mazzari was on the sidelines. Second, Manchester City did hold on to defeat Bayern Munich, so Napoli needed this win to advance to the elimination round. Now, I mentioned that Bayern Munich reached the final of the tournament. Unfortunately, Napoli drew Chelsea in the round of 16. After winning the first leg 3-1 at the San Paolo on a brace from Lavezzi and another by Cavani, Napoli were devastated to lose the second leg 4-1 in extra time. And Chelsea, who were led by Frank Lampard and Didier Drogba, went on to defeat Bayern in the final. So that's going to do it for this week's classic Napoli match. That's also going to do it for this episode of Forza Napoli. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with your friends. You can also leave comments and reviews on your favorite podcast platforms. 
If you have any questions for me, or if you'd like me to review anything in particular, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, or you can find the pod at Pod. You can also find my work at worldfootballindex.com. With Coppa Italia returning in about a week's time, I'm hoping to release an article in the next few days that breaks down how the various outcomes affect qualification to next year's Europa League, so stay tuned for that. Finally, I had the pleasure of joining my good friends Rui Pereira and Joel Capuano earlier this week on the Red Card Report podcast, where we talked about Napoli, of course, but also about Serie A, and that was a lot of fun. Rui and Joe do an amazing job covering not only Serie A, but also the EPL, La Liga, the Bundesliga, and the Portuguese Liga Noche. So those guys are about to get really busy with Germany and Portugal already playing, and England, Spain, and Italy resuming in the next two weeks. So please give them a listen, give them a follow on Twitter at RCR underscore podcast, and subscribe to the Red Cart Report podcast. You'll definitely not regret it. That's it for today. Until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Sempre. That's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.